Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. What is up, everybody? Tom here. We're more than a month into staying at home, and needless to say, it's been a trying time for us all. Overnight, we've changed our daily routines, and driving down the street today, it looked like a post-apocalyptic scene. It is super weird, and we're all trying to adjust to a new normal. And if you've been following me on Instagram, at Tom Bilyeu, you've probably noticed that I've been doing a lot more live interviews over there to discuss these uncertain times and how we can all come out of this stronger and healthier and even more connected than ever, because I do think it's possible. So here is one of those interviews. I hope you get as much out of it as I did. Today, I'm bringing you an incredible interview with my friend and health theory alumni, Peter Atia. His views on COVID-19 are super helpful, and you're going to find some very tactical takeaways in this discussion about how you can support your immune system in the era of coronavirus. I hope you guys enjoy this interview and put these things to practice. Stay safe, my friends. All right, what's up, everybody? We're going to be talking to the extraordinary Dr. Peter Atia today. Uh, I'm very excited to bring him to you guys. He is somebody that we've had on the show a few times. He's also somebody that uh, I know personally, and I think he's a super extraordinary dude. Uh, so he'll be giving us some insights into COVID-19, what's going on from a medical perspective, what's going on in the healthcare system, what we can do to protect ourselves, all that good stuff. So um, yeah, he should be joining us any minute. Again, we're going to be joined by Dr. Peter Atia today. Um, if you guys haven't seen the episode, uh, episode or episodes, I can't remember if we've had him on multiple times or not, um, but uh, just a super extraordinary guy. I've known him now for many years, wow, um, and is just an incredible, incredible thinker. He is, he's done an amazing TED Talk too, by the way. Um, so yeah, super, super smart guy, very well-versed. Um, in all things um, medicine related, the human body, longevity, all of that stuff. He's also uh, an extraordinary concierge doctor. So he works with um, a lot of people doing some uh, pretty in-depth analysis of the human body and what it responds to in terms of living a high quality life for as long as humanly possible. Um, and so he is going to be joining us this morning. So as soon as he comes into the feed there, oh, no, as soon as he comes into the feed, um, we will join him. I hope you guys are doing well. Um, so I know that this every day that goes by, there's going to be more and more emotional stress that people are put under in terms of being quarantined. Um, that's certainly something that we'll talk about this morning as well. Um, which by the way, if you guys haven't watched Peter Atia's, um, 
TED Talk, watch that. It's really, really pretty extraordinary for somebody like him who, um, man, he's, he is a very analytical person, um, very high level thinker, and to see his emotional side, to see what led to him making uh, the change in his life that he did um, to, instead of just looking at people as um, not having the fortitude to stick to a diet um, and realizing that basically all the advice that we were giving people was um, foundationally wrong and wanting to get in and really learn about what makes the human body work, um, it's uh, it was a pretty extraordinary story of uh, an emotional turnaround um, and in his own life beginning to struggle. Um, he was eating what the food pyramid told him to eat uh, and working out like a fiend and yet not able to stay in shape, not able to stay feeling the way that he wanted to feel. Um, so it uh, yeah, for him to have that kind of big breakthrough was um, really powerful. Um, if you guys bear with me one sec, I'm just going to ping him and see if he is still on time. Uh, so bear with me here one Great TV as I hold the phone right up to my face. Um, so yeah, how is everybody doing this morning? Welcome, by the way, to everybody in the feed. It's good to see you guys. So we are theoretically going to be joined by Dr. Peter Etienne. In the meantime, I will say what's up to Steve Cherilambis. Who's in the house? What's up? That is my brother-in-law, one of the coolest human beings that I know. Super good dude. The uh, the maker of some uh, pretty extraordinary chocolate. So anybody that uh, sees him in the feed and wants some low-carb chocolate, definitely hit him up. He is uh, he's prototyping some amazing stuff that is absolutely delicious. Um, let me just check for that response. The um, should be a button that says request to go live. I don't see you listed in the list of people requesting to go live. Um, let's see. Do you have like some unexpected name maybe that I'm not anticipating? I don't see anybody. All right, guys, hang hang tight. Anime Army. What is up, Anime Army? Peter Atia, MD. There we go. All right. We finna go live with Peter Atia. Let's do it. All right. What's happening here? Selecting you. Peter, I see you now, and I have selected you, but we are not going live for whatever reason. What is happening? All right, let me see if we can. Okay, now, now my buttons are appearing. God bless. There we go. All right, theoretically, we are about to begin here. Our COVID-19 discussion with the legendary Dr. Peter Atia. There he is. What's up, dude? Hey, man. How are you? I'm good. 
So thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, I imagine you're doing this all day long now with people, uh, given your expertise. And how have you been approaching learning about COVID-19? Well, I mean, you know, luckily we've got a, a research team that's sort of spent the last, whatever, five, six years thinking about longevity, which is completely unrelated to this. But at least we have the infrastructure in place of a team that um, can be basically redirected. So um, it's super hard. I mean, we have to basically pivot every other day. Um, and if I think about what we've learned in the last four weeks, it's uh, it's it's staggering. And if I also think about how many times we thought we knew and understood something only to realize a few days later, nope, that's probably not correct. Um, so we, we have many different things that we're pursuing. And, and on top of that, we've got people who are now volunteering to help us. So we've got, you know, guys that work at hedge funds that would normally be modeling, you know, market scenarios that are saying, how can we help? And so now they're helping build the models that we're using to try to understand spread. And we've got other people who, you know, you know, medical students, pre-meds that normally, you know, do volunteer work that are saying, hey, how can I help contribute to these efforts with respect to doing research? So um, it's it's been, uh, in that sense, it's been actually quite humbling to see how much people just want to help. Mm, that's that's actually really extraordinary. And look, there's I wouldn't wish this on anybody, but um, watching people come together, seeing the outpouring of people really trying to help make other people's lives better is, um, it's a pretty cool response. So walk me through, you've talked about how uh, a day in the life of COVID-19 is like a month um, anywhere else. What have, what have we learned in the last couple of days um, that maybe we didn't understand before, like you were saying, that people should be aware of? Well, I mean, I think we are probably seeing that there is some evidence of lasting immunity. So that's one piece of good news is that people who are recovering from this based on some animal data at least should have some protection at least for the year. Coronaviruses are kind of different uh, viruses and they we generally don't get lasting immunity from them. Um, the mild ones at least, we you know, people did get lasting immunity from the really severe ones that caused SARS in 0304 and MERS. Um, this is probably gonna be somewhere in between. That's going to probably become relevant over the coming year. Um, I think the other thing that we're learning is that we still don't really have an effective uh, drug strategy that's been truly vetted. In other words, we have lots of anecdotal stuff. We have a lot of what's called um, off-label use um, and open-label use, which means things that are being tested, but without randomized control trials that look somewhat safe and somewhat promising. But the reality of it is we don't yet have a fully vetted strategy around drugs. Um, I think the other thing we're seeing is that, uh, you know, New York does probably look like it's headed for a real stress on its um, healthcare delivery system. Um, our view a week ago today was that it would probably happen within one to two weeks, which means sometime this week, you know, uh, our projections, if they were half right, would suggest that there's really going to be a mismatch between how many people need medical care in New York and how many don't. The data as of last night were basically about a thousand deaths in New York, um, but they're disproportionately in the boroughs. So how does one interpret that? Well, we interpret that to mean that 
the people in the boroughs were the most affected to begin with because they were probably the ones that were most in the subways commuting into and out of the city. So actual deaths in Manhattan of those thousand were probably less than 200. So it's still, I think, a bit too soon to say, but if, unfortunately, if I had to guess, I think the number of infected people in New York is, is, is much higher than we realize now. And so what can people be doing to um, protect their immune system or is that sort of a joke and don't even focus on that, just focus on um, isolation? Uh, what, what's the best strategy right now for staying safe? I think it's all of the above. I, I do think that there's probably nothing that beats, you know, robust social distancing, um, both at the individual level and obviously at the, at the societal level for the short term. Um, we're seeing the economic consequences of that are probably much more grave than certainly than I expected uh, or understood. Be, you know, I kind of had this realization in talking with a bunch of people, and you, you can think about this because you understand how businesses work. I'm sure your listeners do as well. There's, there's probably no business out there that's ever modeled zero revenue as a scenario. You know, when you're scenario planning, you know, you might say, well, God, you know, if things really go badly, you know, maybe we'll see a 20% reduction in um, in revenue, but but there's no such thing as eh, why don't we just model six months of no revenue <laughs> like that? That's yeah. never been done, right? So so the, you know, I say all that to say like I don't take this idea of social distancing lightly, but you have to be able to put this virus back on its heels, and a big part of that is is sort of stopping the spread of a virus that really if you were designing a virus to be maximally destructive, you would definitely take a few things from the SARS-CoV-2's playbook. Um, it's not the most deadly virus in the world. You, you know, in other words, this is not a virus that wipes our species off the planet. Um, but if you wanted to make such a virus, you would absolutely take some things that this virus does, namely that it can be very infectious long before you are symptomatic. That's a very powerful tool in a virus's toolkit to spread. Um, so going back to your question, look, I think that the most important thing people can do for their immune system is sleep. I, I think of all of the levers we pull, you know, getting eight hours of sleep a night is going to move the needle as much as any. I think other things that matter are exercising every day, but not doing it at a super high intensity. So kind of two types of people, right? There are people that don't exercise enough. Generally, they need to be exercising more. And then there are probably people like you and I who exercise a lot and probably exercise a little too much and a little too intense. We have to actually dial it back. So I'm, you know, really focusing on exercising every day, but only about an hour and not at the level of intensity that I would normally. And, you know, a lot of it's just body weight stuff. It's just sort of moving. It's just being active. And it's as important for my head as it is for my, my body. With respect to food, that's been a huge challenge for me. Um, you know, I, I, I tend to stress eat a little more than I would care to admit. Um, so I've been kind of just focusing on doing more time restricted feeding. It's just a little easier for me to be binary and, you know, at least say, okay, how about I just don't eat anything for these 18 or 20 hours as opposed to allowing myself the liberty of stress grazing. Yeah, that, that I was actually thinking about you the other day. I remember the story that you told about if you have, uh, if I remember right, it was cashews. To have cashews in the house, they have to be hidden uh, and you can't know where they are. And I thought, whoa, what's he doing in lockdown where it's like the 
either to not have anything that you want and, and it be psychologically taxing in that way because you just can't have anything delicious in the house. Or like, does he have to go hide while his wife pulls it out of hiding so that he doesn't see like what part of the house she goes to? I was curious. Well, my, my, my littlest kid is potty training right now and his reward is M&M's. You guys know I have a very strict diet that I stick to, except for very special occasions, and I do that so that I can bring my best every day to what I'm doing, and a big part of that strict diet is high-quality animal protein and my go-to source of trustworthy meats and seafoods with no added hormones or antibiotics ever is ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a premium meat subscription service that delivers 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood all directly to your door. I cannot recommend ButcherBox enough. When you eat ButcherBox, you are giving your body the best possible building blocks to work with so you can reach your full potential. You've got to take care of yourself at a cellular level if you want to hit your peak consistently. So ButcherBox is the key. Sign up at butcherbox.com impact and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off, and that means you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com impact and use code impact to choose your free-for-a-year offer, plus get $20 off your first order. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You will never be able to reach your full potential if you are riddled with stress and have a lot weighing on your mind. I can tell you from my own experiences with stress and negative thought loops, you have to find a way to work through whatever it is that's weighing on you if you're gonna have any hope of achieving your goals. Therapy can be an option for working through things and for an online therapy option that is super convenient and flexible, be sure to check out BetterHelp. With BetterHelp, everything is 100% online and getting started is quick and easy. A brief questionnaire matches you with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra charge. Get things off your chest, process through things with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash impact theory today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash impact theory. In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you wanna have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need and Impact Theory's own Chief Financial 
financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. Every time he goes, you know, pee-pee on the potty, he gets his M&M. And um, the problem is I was just eating them by the handful every time (laughs) I walked by. And I would rationalize it by saying, well, look, uh, I'm using the potty, so I should be allowed to do this. Um, so yeah, we finally had to put the kibosh on that. So the M&Ms are in hiding. I don't get to know where they are, and that's the way it is. Um, as far as, you know, I get asked a lot about supplements and stuff, and I saw some people are asking questions about supplements. I, I think at this point, you know, there's reasonable evidence that zinc is probably worth taking. Um, the challenge, of course, is in what format. So um, zinc is not necessarily the most bioavailable thing, depending on how you take it. Um, but, you know, you're generally going to need about, I don't know, call it, you know, 30 to 50 milligrams of a relatively bioavailable zinc. Um, the lozenges, which are typically pretty good, have been kind of sold out on Amazon for quite some time. Mm. Um, so, you know, zinc supplementation probably makes a little bit of sense. Um, you know, as far as anything else, I think it's just too hard to say. And my concern with it is that I wouldn't want to give somebody a false sense of confidence that because they're taking, you know, vitamin C or vitamin D, which also is probably quite important, um, especially if you can't get out into sunlight. So, you know, people who live um, in, in parts of the country or the world where they can still, despite a quarantine, get out and get sunshine, I think that's hugely important to get vitamin D in the natural way. If people can't, then I think supplementing vitamin D would also matter. But again, you just don't want people to think that that protects them from washing their hands and things like that. Mm, yeah, and sure. of course, distancing from you know people who themselves are not able to quarantine. So going back to the notion that you were talking about with um, be a little bit careful about, definitely be careful about underworking out, but you actually have to be careful about overworking out. So I have a regimen. I take cold showers every day. I work out every day. I intermittent fast every day. Um, I would love to stop all of them. So you've already addressed the working out. Um, what about cold showers? What about intermittent fasting? What about prolonged fasting? Where, where in that sort of do hard things um, to, to prolong your life regimen do we find that we might be cracking over into creating too much of a stress response? So let's look at um, the one area where we have the most data on that, Tom, is exercise. So it's been clearly studied the different types of exercise and how they trickle into a stress response. So remember, everything that you just described is a short-term stress or hormesis that is meant to produce a long-term adaptation that is beneficial, right? So exercise is stressful, right? Exercise breaks down muscle, it taxes the body, and it's our response to that that is beneficial. So when we look at exercise and we look at sort of modest, low-intensity aerobic exercise, we observe that the immune system transiently actually gets stronger, not weaker as a result of that. Conversely, when we look at studies of high intensity interval training, we find a transient reduction in immune system before a bounce back. And again, that's probably because that high intensity training uh, causes an overabundance of stress in the short period of time. And while that produces great physiologic benefits down the line, 
I think we have to figure out what we're optimizing for. In this moment, are you optimizing to be the fittest version of Tom or the healthiest version? Those aren't necessarily the same thing. So how do we extrapolate that to fasting? Because that's something I think a lot about. Well, um, I think we also know that prolonged fasting, you know, three, four, five, seven-day fasts actually raise cortisol levels. They're actually quite stressful in the short run. Uh, because evolutionarily, when you know our ancestors didn't eat for three days, that was a bit of a kick in the butt to go out, get food, be more efficient. You know, we we require less sleep during periods of intense fasting, in part for that reason. So for that reason, I just I just don't think this is the time to be doing prolonged fasting. You know, I think the typical three to seven day fast that I do. Uh, you know, with great frequency, I'm just going to be holding off on those until I have a little bit more clarity. That said, there's no evidence that short-term, you know, time-restricted feeding is problematic. And I think in many ways, time-restricted feeding is an efficient way for us to manage, if you're someone like me, stress eating, um, if you're just looking to have a little bit control. I mean, you know, yesterday I did an OMAD, which I haven't done in a while. And I just felt a lot better than I felt during the sort of grazing of food all day, which is what's sort of an OMAD? Sorry, one meal a day. So I just had, you know, dinner Sunday, dinner Monday. I'll probably just do it again today. I won't eat until I have dinner tonight. And so that's kind of a long time restricted feeding. Yeah, for sure. And what do you think about cold exposure? Where do you fall on that? Yeah, I've looked a lot into cold exposure and heat exposure for different reasons. Um, I cold exposure is quite interesting. R really, the data on cold exposure so show, t I think, two reasonable lines of benefit. Uh, the first is it clearly has a benefit in what's called delayed onset muscle soreness or DOM. So if people use cold exposure as a way to recover from training, um, it definitely shows an improvement in symptoms there. But of course, given that we're not going to be training to the point of crushing ourselves, it's not clear that that's as important. I think the other area where cold immersion seems to be beneficial is probably from a neuro perspective. I think there's reasonable evidence that there are some antidepressive properties of cold uh, immersion, especially with respect to neurotransmitters that have antidepressive benefits. Contrary to popular belief, there's really a complete dearth of evidence suggesting that cold therapy boosts immune function, reduces, you know, other types of inflammation, uh, or generally produces much benefit. I mean, the, the benefits on heat therapy are much greater than cold therapy. Um, so I'm not, I, I guess I wouldn't say that cold therapy is necessarily harmful, because I don't think, that, you know, it, it produces uh, any downsides. Obviously, um, mild cold therapy is also known to activate brown fat, which is metabolically quite active. Um, and truthfully, I, it doesn't occur to me that that would necessarily be a, a bad thing or necessarily a beneficial thing. So I guess long-winded answer would be um, if cold therapy helps you feel better, like literally for some people, I think it is just an amazing antidepressant. This would be a great time for it because I think for many of us right now, the sort of anxiety and uncertainty of what's going on is itself um, a burden. Mm. I've seen one thing go through the comments a lot, which is um, people wanting to know if a multivitamin is something that'll be useful. Um, I'm assuming if it doesn't contain zinc, that it's probably zinc and vitamin D were, as you were talking, sort of the two things I took away as maybe being the most important. Um, but is there a multivitamin that you recommend or is it a waste? No, I think, I think multivitamins are not great because they basically have too little of the things you want. 
and generally more of the things you don't care for. So I, my view is if you're going to supplement something, if you, if you believe that you can't get enough vitamin D from sunlight, then you really probably need to just be taking straight up vitamin D three and, you know, probably two to 5,000 IU is a sufficient dose. Similarly, if you're not getting enough vitamin C in your diet, you know, you probably ought to just fully supplement vitamin C. And if you're not getting enough of the Bs, B6s, B12s, folic acid, you, you know, again, if you, again, this is an important point to consider, right? There are many people who aren't able to get fresh foods the way they once would. So again, those are times when you want to turn to supplementation. But my view is go directly for the supplement as opposed to the multi. I don't, I've never really understood the value of multivitamins except for marketing. Mm. <laughs> Very fair. Um, so in, in a, a time of limited access to foods, if we were going to try to do it all through foods, which I certainly will do my best, um, I try to get sunlight uh, as close to every day as humanly possible. I'm very fortunate to live in Los Angeles where it's not exactly a hardship to even just like stick your head out a window. And I've, I've tried to revisit. So obviously I'm in a fortunate position now where it's much easier to deal with being in a quarantine. I'm trying to revisit like what this quarantine would look like at the different phases in my life. When I was dirt poor, didn't even have a balcony, you know, it was like, but there was one window in the house that you could wind open in the kitchen. And it's like, you know, could, if you legitimately could not walk out your front door, could you at least, you know, stick your head out the window, um, the importance of getting fresh air. But anyway, that's, that's sort of a side point. What I really wanted to ask was, um, if we were going to try to do all of this without supplementation, what are the, the things like, should we be um, getting red meat? Because I know that red meat contains um, all the vitamin C that you're going to need. Um, should we be eating certain leafy greens? Like, what are the, the like, four or five things if, if we know that we only have access to a limited number of um, sort of widely available things, what would that selection be? Well, I mean, you, we have to be careful about assuming we can get enough vitamin C in meat. That's really only true if you're not consuming carbohydrates with it. So in the case of like the Inuit and the Maasai who were basically just eating meat, you're right. They could get trace amounts of vitamin C in there, but because they didn't have any glucose in their diets, it was sufficient. But if one is, you know, eating meat and potatoes, but not eating, you know, anything that's citrusy, lemons, oranges, things like that. They're probably not getting enough vitamin C and they might want to supplement it. With respect to vegetables, you know, we've taken a cautious principle internally in our practice now and recommended the following to our patients. Most of us, of course, are getting groceries delivered intermittently. Um, if you're not you know, lucky enough to have a garden where you can grow your own stuff. Um, we take this idea pretty seriously that you want to be able to assume that any piece of food that comes in your house is carrying a virus on it. And the good thing about this virus is we know that it's quite susceptible to soap and water. You know, it's not like a virus that is unkillable, but you've got to be able to, you know, scrub it with soap and water. So things like lettuce, berries, things where the surfaces are just not amenable to a full cleaning we're just kind of avoiding. And, you know, you, you've heard me joke about how much I love salad. Every day I need a salad in a bowl the size of my head. So that salad has morphed. So that salad now is, which used to be a very leafy sort of salad, is now basically tomatoes, cucumbers, carrots, and bell peppers, which are basically all things you can completely wash, mm. cut up a little olive oil, lemon juice, and away we go. So that's kind of a pivot that I've made on that front. And then, if, you know, it's, it's also sort of, you know, relying on so, so far less fruit than normal. Um, 
And, um, you, you know, uh, again, we're fortunate from a meat standpoint because I hunt and we've got a freezer that's just sort of stockpiled with, you know, venison. Um, but again, I, I just sort of think like it's the biggest issue with respect to food is like trying to minimize the destructive eating. Uh, I think it's, uh, you know, I don't think this is a time to make enormous dietary pivots, right? If somebody normally likes to eat red meat, great, keep eating it, but, you know, make it the highest quality that you're able to get and acknowledge that any port in a storm means like half the time when we look at Instacart or whatever we're using the ordering, like you just can't get what you want sometimes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you sort of pick and choose your battles. The other thing I want to come back to that I, I really hope to have a better beat on within the next two weeks is what is going to be the availability of protective masks. Because as we go to the point that you raised, you're someone who lives in a tiny apartment building in New York, you barely have a window to look out. You know, what is it gonna mean for your sanity to be able to get outside? Well, I think it's gonna mean a hell of a lot. And I think the evidence is emerging rapidly in the past few days that, you know, that the proper type of mask is truly protective. Now, again, a month ago, the message was no, this is not the case. And I think there's been some real bungling of this through, um, through, through some of the, 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 the sort of political responses to this. But I, but I think if you really look at the proper use of an N95 mask, I think it is both a great tool to protect a person who's wearing it from others and to protect others from the person wearing it. In other words, I think there really is emerging evidence that um, if we were all going to walk around with masks outside and take great precaution, we could start to mobilize a little more than we are. So what I'm hoping is we get to a point where the production of those masks is ramped up. Now, 3M, which is the leading manufacturer of um, the N95 mask is able to make, I want to say 35 million of those masks a month. So we, or maybe it's a week. Uh, and of course it matters greatly. The point is whatever they're able to make right now is probably going to take us a while to have a sufficient number of these things. Right. I think that's a week. Um, so, so we've, we've, you know, I think we're still early in the days of knowing that everybody can have sufficient access to these things. Um, and obviously you have to prioritize who gets them first and nobody needs them more than healthcare workers. But I, I do hope that, you know, a month from now we're sitting here having this discussion when everybody's got an N95 mask and that is opening up the door for them to actually get outside and start to interact with the world again. Cause I, I think that's, you know, that's a, that's a real, you know, challenge for, for everybody that's in quarantine. Yeah, mental health um, is obviously with what I do and the, the thing that I guess I know about um, in terms of dealing with the public, uh, that's, that's been huge. A lot of questions around that. Um, and I think that there's going to be a lot of, it, it, it isn't as much of a part of the public discourse um, in terms of this effect on people's psychology. Um, we don't have a lot of time left with you. So uh, one I want to ask, is there anything um, that you think that people can do during quarantine to optimize for that, whether that's to, um, hey, do body weight workouts because of the, you know, BDNF and things that are going to help you pull yourself psychologically or physiologically out of a bad psychological state? Um, or is it just some, is there any optimistic news that you can uh, impart around what's going on with COVID-19? Um, that would be amazing. 
you know, there, as, as you probably know, Tom, we're putting out podcasts at a great clip right now, far more than our normal clip. And, and every podcast we put out in the last three weeks, including one that's going to come out today, I mean, they're just exclusively geared to this. Um, none of the content is behind a paywall. And I would just kind of direct people to that. So, for example, you know, interview I had with Ryan Holiday a week ago was just a great you know, it, really dealing with the psychology of this stuff. In fact, we've had two episodes, one with Sam Harris and one with uh, Rick Elias. I mean, uh, pardon me, with um, um, Ryan Holiday that have just dealt with sort of these questions. And, you know, one of the things that Ryan brought up that I really liked was the, you know, the, the difference between dead time and a lifetime. So, you know, you, we don't have much control over the fact that we're all kind of quarantined, but there's a way to sort of take that situation and make something great of it. Um, and, and look, it's tempting to say, maybe I'm just going to sit here and watch Netflix all day long, but that's kind of dead time, right? And so maybe, you know, watch Netflix for an hour a day, but spend time reading, completely unplugging from the situation and going through those novels you have not had the time to look through. Um, or, you know, picking up a hobby, like, you know, there are other little goofy things I'm trying to make time to do every day that don't seem to add much value to my immediate life, but they're a great distraction. Um, you know, it, we talk a lot about Winston Churchill in this podcast and how he kind of coped with this never ending stress of, you know, the second world war and how, despite that, he's down, still found time to be still. So, um, I, I do, I think that the, the mental health component of this, Tom, is, enormous and it's only going to get more important as time goes on um, and in fact i was reading an article this morning um, that talked about the psychological fallout of each of the previous pandemics from the 1918 flu to sars mers and h1n1 and actually it's very disturbing some of the lingering trends we see both in healthcare workers who face protracted burnout following these things and also um, a number of the people who have been in quarantine and then all of a sudden start to develop phobias that make it harder for them to go out even when the quarantine's over. So um, I'm glad people are paying attention to this now because I think it's going to be an enormous area of, um, of attention. It's going to need to be an enormous area of attention um, regardless of how this thing resolves. Yeah, so... Um that word attention, I think is, is super critical for people to hear your, whatever you point your attention at, you're going to see more of. And look, this is, this is certainly not an easy time, but the only thing that I think is going to make it worse for people is if you focus on all of the negative, if you focus on all the ways that things are going wrong, we started the podcast or whatever this is, the IG live, um, by talking about, you know, some of the ways that people are coming together and the ways that people have been offering their assistance to you for free, just to like help you model things out. People that in any other time, certainly in our lifetimes would have been pointed at, um, you know, something else, something probably revenue generating. Um, and you know, there, there really is this cool other thing happening that is people doing their best to reach out to connect to find excuse me find ways to do things with their time like you said to make it more alive time um so i'm i'm super interested in that and i think that trying to get people to understand that they control their attention and what it gets aimed at um, will be huge i i hadn't thought of um winston churchill uh in this context, but that's actually really interesting. And there's a, I forget who said it, but there's a quote about meditation, which is if you don't have 10 minutes to meditate, you're the person who needs to meditate the most. 
Um, and, and I think that that's really true. And for people to take time to really begin to, um, you know, get their head in the right place is going to be pretty critical. I've heard you talk about how you've been uh, a little more irritable through this. What have you done to deal with that? What are you doing to focus yourself on something that stays in a more positive direction? Um, I'm trying to be more attentive to my emotions. So I tend to suppress them and ignore them. And they only become apparent when I'm about to erupt. So it's like I sort of live on an emotional binary scale. I'm digitally emotional, like zero, one, zero, one. And I'm trying to be more analog, right? Like a rheostat. So that means, um, you know, when my kids are just, completely driving me bananas, I try to hit a pause a little sooner in the process and say, is it really upsetting you that they're doing this or that? Or are you actually upset about something else and you're starting to displace your tension towards them? Um, it's actually made a really big difference. I mean, that sounds like a very cliche thing to do, but this very deliberate focus on doing what's called an emotional check-in has been really powerful. And um, ever since I had that really bad couple of days where I was just like kind of losing my mind and flipping out at the kids over seemingly nothing. Um, these, these very frequent emotional check-ins have been a helpful way to do it. And of course, if you can do it with somebody, if you can do it with your spouse, um, and it doesn't have to be somebody in person. I think that's a really valuable thing to do is just to be able to say, look, man, I feel scared today. Like, and every day I sort of, my wife asks for my sort of temperature, you know, how are you feeling today? And I'm like, you know, some days I'm like, Oh, I'm totally optimistic. Like we're going to, you know, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. And there's other days. And I'm like, like last night I was just really depressed and I went to bed and I was like, this is going to be a disaster. And, and, and again, neither of those extremes are likely true, but how you feel uh, definitely impacts how you color the world. Yeah, that, that is for sure. Well, my friend, thank you so much for joining me, dude. It is always awesome to connect with you and spend a few minutes together. Uh, your insights are absolutely extraordinary. Thank you for being on the front lines of this, for making so much of your content available to everybody. The resources that you have at your command, not the least of which your own mind is, is unbelievable, man. And I am super excited that I live in a world where you're putting out this content. Uh, it's, it's a game changer. So thanks for showing up. Thanks for talking people through this difficult time. And uh, hopefully I will connect with you soon. Thanks, man. Be well. All right. Same. Everybody out there, be safe. Take care of yourself. Wash those hands. Get some sunlight. Eat right. Exercise a little bit, but not too much. And uh, we will get through this. I promise. Keep your head right, everybody. All right. Peace out. Take care.